turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. I'm going to say something out of the uh, Tennessee vernacular. Ain't God good? Ain't God good, I'm telling you. I want to share with you from my perspective what I've been experiencing in worship this morning. I've been sitting right there where Haley's sitting now with Jonathan and right in front of our youth, listening to our students sing. But here's what I heard above anything this morning. You've heard me talk about uh, Orbeth Osborne and her singing Amazing Grace. Well, this morning I got a blessing uh, beyond blessings. As I, I didn't want to embarrass these guys sitting right here. They're gone now, but you can tell them I talked about them if you want to. They were sitting over here, and as Jim was leading us in music this morning, those guys were singing, and uh, we were singing, Shout to the Lord, Jim. That's over. I could, I could hear them singing. But when we got to <clears throat> what uh, Susan just played again, How Great is Our God, you could hear them singing, Sing with me, how great. And they were singing it. They was like filling their lungs up, singing it. And, and that was such a blessing to me. And as, as Susan then, with the whole congregation play, singing, and then, then who knew? Susan going to play the same song again. How great is our God, which leads us directly into who do you turn to? What do you turn to? Today we're talking about Joseph. Joseph, and as I shared with these kids this morning, friends, that's what Joseph was doing. All through his life, and we're going to do a quick survey of a big portion of his life. And that's what Joseph was doing. How great is my God. All through his life, he kept saying, how great is my God. How great is my God. He didn't give up the faith. And today, friend, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag and tell you this. That right at the beginning, that's, going, that's what you're going to find out right at the end. That if you need anything, you need a hero. You need somebody to reach down and touch your life. You need to do it through faith in Jesus Christ the only way. Jesus is the only one who can bring you up out of the mess of the pit of despair or whatever that you've been going through. Today is a day the Lord's made. I'm rejoicing. I am glad in it. And I want you to join with me this morning as we worship and praise King Jesus. If you were stranded on a desert island, and I mean out in the middle of nowhere where you couldn't get anything. What would you want with you? There's one thing. What is one thing that you wish you could have? Would it be waterproof matches? Would it be a medical book? Would it be energy bars? Would it be shipbuilding for dummies? Which one would you want with you? What would you want? And I ask you again on another level. Today, there's people that are stranded on the Isle of Despair. They're stranded in an area where they don't know where to turn, what to do. What do you turn to? Where do you go when the storms of life are hitting you? We were speaking about a lot of prayer requests before the service started. And you've been hearing them this morning in your life groups and, and other opportunities. And you know some things going on in your own personal life. I ask you this morning, where do you turn? Do you, what do you turn to? Do you turn to family and friends? You see, family and friends are great. They can be good. But let's just be honest. Sometimes they're not always 
trustworthy? Do you turn to your career just to immerse yourself in work? You can keep working and keep doing your job and just immerse yourself in it, but no matter what, it doesn't really help. Work doesn't stop disease, does it? It can keep you busy, but it doesn't help you deal with those tough times that you're going through. What about material things? Vehicles, houses, clothes, whatever. What about those material things that you, that you say, well, I can just do that to help me through this? Maybe you're comfortable with the size of your home or your bank account. Maybe that brings a little bit of pride to your life or, or comfort. But let me tell you something, friend. That bank account's empty comfort. That, that size of your home, that's that car, the new one you just got, it's, it's, it's empty because those possessions are not effective at helping you deal with heartbreak, are they? You can cry in a brand new Cadillac just as well as you can cry in a 1972 Pinto. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's possessions. Let's just be straight and honest. None of these things that I just mentioned are going to help you deal with what's going on in life. Dealing with the storm that you're in in life. Nothing is completely adequate. I share with you that bottom word, faith. F-A-I-T-H is the only reliable answer to the question, what are you going to do when the storms of life hit you? I want us to learn and glean from Joseph. And just to kick us off, we're going to look here in, in Genesis 37. We're going to read just a few verses here, and then we will see where God takes us next. In Genesis 37, beginning with verse number 2. Follow along there in Genesis 37, verse number 2. Genesis 37, 2 says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Verse 3. Now Israel, Israel and Jacob are the same. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And look at the last part of verse 3. And he made him a robe of many colors. Verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Let's pray. Father, I pray today as a fine gentleman prayed with me this morning that Lord your word would be magnified that you would allow me to be your mouthpiece now God as people have been praying and uplifting this time right now I pray that you would just allow this moment to be a moment that we experience you especially beautifully you God and let us just hear your word let us be open as it's already been prayed as well that we would hear from your word your holy and errant inspired perfect holy Bible and God we just thank you for the moment we got now just let your will be accomplished we pray in Jesus name amen well depending on how you look at it Joseph's got it pretty good or he's got it pretty bad Joseph his daddy loves him to death. His dad, he's his favorite. He's the favorite boy. But his brothers couldn't stand him. So from whatever vantage point you're looking, Joseph had it pretty good or he had it pretty bad. But we see here this morning 
that I believe you're going to see, as I pointed out several times, that you're going to see in Joseph's life that he kept returning to that word faith. He kept returning and realizing that God is all that he needed. I want you to leave here this morning realizing and recognizing that God is all that you need. This world is terrible. Korea is a mess. Russia, China, Afghanistan, Israel, America. The world is a mess. I left a lot out, I know. You've got to recognize that God is all we need. Your life may feel like a mess this morning. Your boyfriend broke up with you. Your girlfriend don't like you no more. Your wife and husband or whatever is upset with you. You've got medical issues in your life. You've got uh, 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 family relational issues. And you say, Brother Mark, you're not mentioning, I know I'm not, whatever that is. Friend, today I'm telling you, God is all that you need. I want you to see that faith is adequate in painful experiences. Joseph here is 17 years old. His entire life he's been the apple of his daddy's eye. He was born in Jacob's old age, as I share with the kids. Uh, you remember that he, he really wanted to marry Rachel, but his uncle tricked him into marrying Leah. And then he ended up finally getting to marry Rachel. And then Rachel died when she was giving birth to Benjamin, which would be uh, Joseph's only full-blooded brother. So uh, Joseph then is the apple of daddy's eye. And in verse 3 you see there that Joseph loved, I mean Joseph was the most loved and he got that coat of many colors. Uh, That meant that he got like like I was doing with Benjamin over here. He was getting to stay up later and play video games and, 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 and work less and get away with more. That's just put it in modern terms. But old Joseph was pretty well to do. He got, he got it. He had, he had the heyday. You should say, maybe. One day, when he, after he had got that robe that you're not going to work in, now you got to consider, Joseph has this beautiful tailored robe now, and the brothers are out working in Kmart grub. Kmart clothing that was bought when the blue light was on. So, They didn't have near as much as Joseph did. So these brothers in verse 4, you see that intense hatred. I just can't stand Joseph. He's the favorite. Mm. That loathing reached even greater heights when Joseph told them about a dream. That's verse 5 through 11. And Joseph tells them, says, brothers, I had a dream. My dream was that we is uh, out tending in the, in the wheat and, the, and my wheat sheave uh, rose up and stood tall and all of your wheat sheaves bowed down to me. Oh, them brothers couldn't stand that. And then Joseph said, I had another dream. I had a dream that, that the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me, Joseph says. His brothers, verse 11 says, they were jealous of him. Then you can imagine, it's getting worse. The brothers are out in the field, like I was telling the kids, as they're out working the fields. And, 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 the, and then old uh, Jacob tells Joseph, said, go out there and check on your brothers. This is in Genesis 37, 12 through 17. Imagine how they felt. The well-favored, the, the dream-interpreting, robe-wearing son coming out to check on them. Like sending a welder to check on the, the construction site in a $3,000 suit. Here he comes, and all of his glory... 
The brother saw a chance to get rid of him. Let's kill him. The older son, Reuben, said, uh, no, let's, let's don't do that. Let's just throw him in the pit. And then then the Judah said, no, let's do this. Let's, sell, let's just sell him to the Midianites, make some money out of this deal. So they sold him. Joseph is then bought by Potiphar, the chief officer of Pharaoh. Genesis 37 there at the end in verse 36. He's gone from being waited on to being a slave in another land. Joseph went from being the favorite and now he is in another land all alone and he's a slave. He's dealing with the pain of being home alone or being away from home, family not there, separated from his adoring father, cut off with every, from everything that's familiar, everything friendly. His loneliness escalates. His anxiety had to go, go higher. But you know what Joseph did? For one thing, he did not indulge in self-pity. Because he had faith. He recognized that God, God's got this. He discovered that faith in God is enough. He didn't indulge in self-pity. He didn't blame God. God, why have you done this? He didn't do any of that. He just recognized that it was a part of God's plan. And he believed that God was allowing this for a purpose. He didn't complain, so he set about serving Potiphar. I'm a slave here, I just as well make the best of it. And by doing what he knew he should do, doing the best he could do, he ended up serving in Potiphar's house and becoming Potiphar's most trusted servant. Genesis 39, look there, verses 2 and 3. We're moving along in Genesis 39, look at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. This is Genesis 39 and verse 2. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. You see... In Joseph's pain, his faith lifted him above all. Potiphar left all that he had, verse 6, in Joseph's charge. Because he had nothing to concern himself but the food he ate. And Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, it says there. So when, when things are going bad, God's with us. Things had gone really bad for old Joseph, but God still took care of him in the loneliness of lonely, in the lonely of lonelies. So in a painful experience you're going through, God will be there for you. But also, I want you to notice, God will be there and your faith is going to be adequate in times when you're tempted by passion. Now in this day and age, I hope every one of y'all are listening. We need to preach this as much as we preach and teach anything in this day and age. Look at verse, uh, chapter 39, verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That says in the NIV, it says that he was well built. He's a good looking feller. 
He, you know, and I want to say this, there's nothing wrong with being well-built and handsome, but with those attributes come some temptations. Joseph had everything. He's in Potiphar's house. He's got everything. He got power, authority, respect, and it also says he's good-looking. It ain't like me and Jonathan, or is it Jonathan? Shoo. More like Steve, Goodner. <laughs> or who else could we pick on? Jim Swain. He's better looking than we are, ain't he? Yeah, okay. Or Eddie. You want to be better looking than us today, Eddie? Okay, Eddie, Eddie says he'll take it. All right, so here we go. You got, you got going on here. You got Joseph. He has got it all, and he's a good-looking feller. And I just want you to notice, Genesis 39, 7. Potiphar's wife doesn't mince meat. She just goes straight for the... She says, after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Mm, that's direct, isn't it? Joseph refused. He said no. Now, many men are caught, would, are caught off guard and would be caught off guard, but not Joseph. How did he say no? He's got it all. He's got the power. He's got the prestige. He's got the look. He's got it all. How did he say no? Again, faith. Faith. Verse 9. Chapter 39, verse 9. He is not greater in his house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. Then look, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? How can I do this great wickedness? Wickedness! Did you hear it? Wickedness and sin against God. You see, faith is the lever (coughs) that helped Joseph pull away. We have got to tap in to our faith and pull away from the temptations that the internet and pornography and seduction and everything else is throwing at us on billboards and television and in the movies and everywhere else. The world is throwing it at it and the church is giving in unlike she has ever given in before. We have got to get away from that mess, friends. We have got to stand firm as Christian men and Christian women and stand firm and say we're not going to take that no more. Friends, we have got to recognize the great wickedness and sin that that is against God Almighty. Potiphar's wife, if you were to read the rest of this, it says that she wouldn't take no for an answer. Verse 10 says she just kept on and kept on and every day she was approaching him. I want to ask you something, church. Man, woman, listen. Boys and girls, listen. Don't be deceived by persuasion. Don't be deceived by persuasion. My spouse just won't meet my needs like you do or like you would. By doing this, you'll show that you really do love me. Don't give in. Who'll ever find out? We're completely alone. We'll stay absolutely safe. We're going to be married one day anyway, so why shouldn't we just go ahead? Why wait? I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. That's why God brought you into my life, and I want to keep you in my life, so I'll give in. 
we'll do it just this once. Just once, it'll be okay, and we'll never do it again. What's so good about grace if grace couldn't cover this sin? So you know, I know that grace will cover me, and God will forgive me, so we'll give in. Don't be deceived by persuasion, friends. And I want to also tell you this. Don't be gentle with your decision, with your response. Joseph wasn't gentle at all. In verse 11 and 12, he said no. And you know what he did? She wouldn't take no, so he ran away. Don't stand there and say, well, thank you, ma'am. You flatter me. and Don't even give the time of day. Just get out of Dodge. Get out of the situation that you are in that the devil has put you in. Get away from it. And don't go to places that you say, well, I might meet up with him or her in this place. Boy, wouldn't it be fancy if I just happened to run into him? It would be just something. I, I, I'll try to set the stage here so I might just have... Don't do that stuff. Be gen- don't, don't, don't even think about being gentle. Just get down right rude if you have to and get away from it because it is sin and wickedness against God. And don't be confused with the immediate results. You're going to say, well, I stood, ter- I stood firm and I did what I thank God and look what it has gotten me. Well, look what it got Joseph. Joseph got thrown into prison. Don't be confused with the immediate results. In chapter 39 and verse 13 through 20, he was thrown in prison. You might have to suffer at first. There might be events going on in your life that just don't seem to line up. You say, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying. And it just seems like life is caving in on me. Keep realizing that you've got to stay true. Say no, and you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. You owe it to your spouse. But most of all, you owe it to God to stay true. I've never seen anyone or heard of anybody who gave in to sexual temptation and they said, boy, it was great. I'm so glad I gave in and threw away my true love weights pledge. I'm so glad I did that. God, I got that off my shoulders now. I'm so glad I betrayed my spouse. I felt so good. You never heard nobody say that. I'm so glad. Boy, I'm glad when people think of me, they think of adultery or they think of other words. I've never heard anybody say that. Have you? So also, we've got to realize. Let me get to this last one before we get done. Faith is adequate in times of power and prosperity as well. Potiphar's life wife lied and then she claimed that Joseph was the one pursuing her and they had Joseph and threw him in prison and uh, even in prison Joseph went about doing the best he could do and he rose to the occasion in prison as well and he became the, the most trusted inmate that they had and the prison prisoners were all coming to him and then uh, the uh, chief cupbearer and chief uh, baker were thrown into prison with him and he was interpreting dreams and Pharaoh heard about it now Pharaoh was the head of Potiphar Pharaoh then heard about it and called one of Joseph to come interpret a dream that he had had and Joseph Joseph went to Pharaoh and he interpreted the dream and he said you're going to have seven years of abundance. You need to store up all the crops because then you're going to have seven years of famine and that's when you can use the crops that you stored up. And repeatedly, repeatedly throughout the time with Pharaoh Joseph kept giving God the glory kept giving, saying God is the source of my interpretation. He did not bring, in, uh, he didn't bring any attention to himself 
Uh, wait a minute. I wrote some, uh, somebody wrote on Facebook this week talking about uh, evangelists and televangelists bringing attention to them. Well, Joseph wasn't like that. Joseph was giving God all the glory. And if you watch television, you see a preacher or you hear a preacher that takes any glory for himself, turn the channel, turn the page, get off of that. Because I'm assuring you that God is the only one who needs to receive any glory, power, honor in this life. And that's what Joseph was doing in in Genesis 41 and verse 39. He said, Pharaoh said to him, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people and you shall order them as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. What that is saying there, friend, is this, that Joseph rose to power and he was second only in the land, only to Pharaoh. He was in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph had everything. And there we have it. When you have everything, it could be hard too. He could have let that power go to his head. He had been a favorite of his dad, dropped down to a slave, went back to prison, and now he is the chief in the land, second only in command to the big guy. And he is in charge of everything. Suddenly he has everything the world can offer and prosperity can look good. And sometimes it goes to our head. But not with Joseph because he had faith. It's often easier to deal with stuff when we're in the pits, isn't it? Because we can always look up. But when we're up at the top looking down, it's tough. You want to know what somebody's made of? Look at him when he's on top of the world. Joseph's reaction to faith and our reaction to prosperity and power was faith in God, continually trusting God. The famine came and he ended up being reunited with his family. And even then, he kept giving God the glory. And in prosperity, Joseph never hoarded for himself, but he always was giving. There is a man of faith. Today, friend, all you need is faith. If you're a Christian, you need faith. You need faith in those times of despair. You need faith in those times when you're tempted. You need faith in those times when you're powerful and prosperous. If you're a Christian, you need to continue tapping into that faith. But I also want to tell you this, friend. There's great possibility that there's somebody or some people that's in this room or in listening to us radio Facebook that they don't have a relationship with Jesus. You need faith. You need to have faith in Christ admitting, believing, confessing and repenting, turning away from all that junk you've been doing and look to God because I know life is tough and being a Christian is not easy. I'm not going to tell you it's easy but I will tell you this when you give it to God it takes a big load off as a Christian or as a a non-Christian, whenever you give it to God, it's going to take everything off. It's going to take a big load off of you. Give your medical uh, problems to God. Give your relation problems to God. Give your uh, uh, whatever financial issues to God. This morning, realize that you need to have faith in Him that He's going to get you through. And today, as I said, if you're not a Christian... Today's the day of salvation. Today is your day to admit your sin, believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again and he's in heaven right now, and then confess him as your Lord. Won't you do that today? 
Won't you accept His free gift of salvation and trust Him today? Whatever you need to do, this moment is not about me. It's not about anybody else. It's about God and what He does through His Spirit in this time. So it doesn't matter. Maybe you say, well, this was a sermon more for young. No, it wasn't for younger people because older generation, we have some of those same temptations and things go on in our life too. Whatever God has spoken to you about, won't you respond today and allow Him to have that free reign that He needs this morning in this time of response? I'm going to pray and musicians are going to come and then we're going to respond the way God wants us to respond. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the sweet name of Jesus. And I pray that in these next few moments, as we begin to sing in a second, or maybe people just start coming now, that we need to respond to whatever you're calling us to do. Your spirit is alive and well and convicting. And I pray that if I've not explained it fully or adequately enough, that people would come and let me tell them more. Let them ask somebody next to them. God, that your name would be glorified, that King Jesus would be exalted, and that we would see salvation from your hand this morning. God, I also pray for rededication, for revival in our land, for revival in our church, for revival in our lives, that you would be honored. And so, Lord, whatever occurs in these moments, let your name and Christ be exalted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.